Maker Breaker, everybody, Roger over and out. We're here for a undercover declassified military broadcast straight from the heart of the battle zone. You're here with two rocking and rolling badass dudes. And let me tell you, we've seen some shit out there. We've gotten into the hairiness and we have some stories today on Mega Strange. That's right. We're bringing back declassified paranormal experiences from within the ranks of the United States government. Welcome to today's episode of Mega Strange. You're here with Derek and Johnny, Hello. your hosts. Johnny, let me hand it over to you. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I, I'm trying to get the sleepies out of my eyes. Uh, you know how it'd be sometimes. You know how it'd be sometimes when you're out there on the battlefield posting yeah. watch. You have that thousand yard stare. You've been awake for 18 hours straight. <laughs> There's enemies all around you. You're jumpy at every sight and sound. That's what I have to deal with on a daily basis. Everybody, I want to let you know I'm working with a guy here. He's known as Johnny the Loose Cannon. And he I don't know at any moment he could just pop off. He can don't be fooled by the calm demeanor because underneath this tranquil, uh, waveless ocean is a, is a raging torrent of dark frustration and emotion uh -huh. and rage. Is that a, is that a good summation of um, your uh, soldier persona for today's episode? I think my soldier persona would be like, <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> Well, I, I uh, yeah, that would probably be my soldier persona, too, especially after. Uh, ooh, my ankle. Ooh. <laughs> pretty, I don't think I can go into the field, Sarge. I don't, I don't know if I can handle this, <laughs> in this jungle much longer, Sarah. Yeah, my yeah. ankle's really hurting me. Uh, well, I would want to go home, too, if I was out there <laughs> in the shit, in the dark of the night. You know, it's bad enough. You're fighting a war. You're literally, you're, your life is on the line. Not only could you die... But you were, hey, you're out there to do the job. You're out there killing people, maybe. I mean, it's a war. You never know what's going to happen. Explosions going off around you. Your friends dying. You know, you're missing home. And then, if all that isn't bad enough, I already want to go home. I start seeing some fucking ghosts. I start seeing some fucking monsters. Some shit I can't explain out in the middle of the desert, out in the middle of the jungle, in the most remote parts of the world, someplace no American has ever been unless they rode in on a tank with 40 other guys holding machine guns. That's the only way you could get into this part of the world. You're looking for bad dudes. I didn't know I'd be finding some sort of fanged, blood-drinking, seven-foot-tall, 400-pound muscular beast that me and all my friends are going to have to take on. It sounds like Metal Gear. I'd want to go home, too, after I experienced that. Mm -hmm. And when I got home, I would probably tell people about the stories, the shit I experienced out there, especially that crazy, scary, paranormal part, and nobody would believe me unless they were the correspondents of the Mega Strange podcast Whoa. because we have found such stories. We have those stories here today. And not only that, Johnny... You're yes. real excited about the research you've been doing because Stranger Things season four is out and it's taking over the airwaves, the stream waves. Yeah. If I have to hear running up that hill or master puppets one more fucking time, I'm going to scream. I knew that Kate Bush was uh, featured prominently in this season, but uh, is Metallica featured as well? Yes. 
<laughs> okay, side note. We both like Metallica. Yeah, yeah. But we both know Metallica is actually lame. I mean, now they're very lame, yeah. But I, I mean, they've been they've been lame since the 90s, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I have no <laughs> I have nothing else to say about that. Like yeah. uh, Metallica being in Stranger Things is not actually cool because if you're yeah. a fan of Metallica, you know that they are actually lame. So yeah. side note, soapbox, I'm going to step off of it. Do you have anything to add to my uh, music critique? No, it's just, I, I think in that, sh- I haven't seen the new season, but I think in that show, like each character has like a song that helps them get out of a fucking hellscape. And yeah. I think for the, this one metalhead guy, it was Master of Puppets. That's awesome. Which I feel like is like, I feel like at the time it would have either been Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. I feel like those are were bigger bands at the time. It's funny to me to think of a Stranger Things character in the 80s listening to Metallica to get him out of this bizarre, paranormal, yeah, emotional yeah. experience. And then later on, that character lives on through the 90s and sits down to watch some kind of monster. <laughs> the documentary where Metallica is fighting because they, uh, they're all millionaires and they can't agree on what they want their next album to sound like. Like, yeah, it's really cool and culturally relevant when you're young and in the 80s, but then it like goes on and gets just really corporate and greedy in the 90s and and not artistic anymore. I mean, that that the movie Some Kind of Monster is unintentionally uh, a work of art, high art. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Agreed. It's so bad. It actually transcends. Like, I never thought I would actually see this level of self-destruction yeah. in uh in a in a band that has attained this level of success and they're just letting it all hang out it's almost respectable yeah. that they allowed that footage to be released to the public i would love a sequel just like to see what, like check in with them like 20 years later like that would be sick yeah they made up anyways back on track okay so welcome to make strange military stories declassified We have a couple of tales today, and why don't we get into it? Yeah, get into it. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? Um, Let me start. You got it. You got it, Sarge. I'm going to start us off with something um, very strange, and I think it's going to warm us up nicely to today's topic. So, Going to lubricate our brains right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pour it on thick. Yeah. All right. Um, I want to talk about something that happened to uh, a group of soldiers in the um, war on terror in Afghanistan. And this is a story that goes back 20 years to the year 2002. Okay. I was a sophomore in high school. What were you doing in 2002? It was in middle school. Nice. Or elementary school still? Dang, I dude. I think it was, yeah. You got held back a lot. What? <laughs> Anyways, in 2002, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just older than Johnny. We're not, we're not <laughs> I was like, age. damn, no, we're not the same age. All right. The story started um, coming out. It was actually first broadcast on the uh, radio show Coast to Coast. At the time, it was hosted by Stephen Quayle. Um, and it was reports about a creature from a province in Afghanistan The province was called Kandahar, and the creature was known as the Giant of Kandahar. Uh, So, as the story goes, it was 2002 when the the, um, United States Army had invaded Iraq um, following 9-11, and they'd moved into Afghanistan. 
And apparently a U.S. Army squad had gone missing in the region of Kandahar. Okay. So a special ops task force, um, possibly the Rangers, considering that this was an Army squad that was missing, was sent out to find out what happened. The soldiers walked along uh, a mountain trail. And according to reports, they arrived at the entrance of a large cave. And at this entrance of the large cave, they found um, pieces of broken U.S. military equipment and gear scattered all around. And they were about to enter the cave and explore it when, according to this story, a 12 to 15 foot redheaded Six digit, meaning six fingers on each hand. It's like an Elden Ring character. Double toothed humanoid. Oh, God. Emerged double from tooth? the cave. Yeah, two rows of teeth. Oh. Two rows. Yeah, double tooth sounds like it has two teeth. Yeah. But the, apparently this thing was uh, 15 feet tall, had red hair, two rows of teeth, six fingers on every hand. Like a shark, right? Yeah. Aren't shark double tooth? It stepped out of the cave and started attacking the special ops task force that had been sent to find the missing ranger squad. Um, there was a member of the task force who is only identified by the first name Dan. Okay. And it said that the creature came out of the cave holding a spear and immediately impaled Dan with this giant spear. I'm holding back Lieutenant Dan jokes um, so hard. Right I now. have actually this story is so prolific. I have an artist rendition of this moment. Can yeah. We, can we go to the photo? Yeah. Dan getting <laughs> speared. <laughs> Dan, Dude. Dan getting speared by the giant. I want like a modern warfare game about this. There like, are what? so many, by the way, there are so many pictures and artist renditions of this event. Really? On the internet. There are at least uh, like five different famous paintings or uh, graphic designs <laughs> of the giants of Kandahar. I would laugh so hard if I went into someone's house and they had like a framed painting of this. <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I just, want that. Just out of context, I'd be like, bro, what am I looking at? <laughs> I want this printed on yeah. felt and framed in like the most ornate yeah. stained oak wood. <laughs> like, yo, did the army fight Bigfoot? Would you keep the uh, the artist's name at the bottom here? or? Would you <laughs> well, of course, Nate Hallinan. Shouts yeah. out, bro. Shouts out. Shout out Nate. Anyway, uh, of course. Okay, so Dan was impaled. Uh -huh. um, Dan casually. Dan was the only casualty of the special task force, uh, the second uh, force that was out there, because witnesses state that the remaining members of the task force opened fire with thirty seconds of continuous fire. Between them, they were armed with uh, full auto M4 carbines. Recon carbines, as they're known, semi-automatic, and M107 Barrett anti-material rifles. 30 seconds of sustained machine gun fire. And the giant is like with the spear, and he's got Dan on the end of the spear. You know, like he's like... <laughs> they're shooting him, and he's like flailing Dan around. Dan might still be alive at this point, like... Fucking kill him! <laughs> Fucking kill him! And then he like dies. Dan's on, on the end of the spear, like still like Yeah, unloading. yeah. Dan pulls out his side piece. <laughs> he's like dangling on the spear, but he's popping off a couple of <laughs> yeah, shots yeah, yeah. from his pistol. And the bullets are just like bouncing off the, the giant's head because he's so big. 
That's how I like to imagine it going down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 30 seconds of sustained fire is what it took to take the giant down. And when it did go down, um, they said that they were able to inspect the body. The giant wore canvas or animal hide covers um, to protect its feet like moccasins. This is what they reported on Coast to Coast. And uh, apparently it smelled like rotten dead bodies. You know, you're not showering out there in that cave and you're you're killing a lot of soldiers. So you're probably getting the funk and the smell on you. The creature's body was airlifted back to the squad base by a helicopter and net. And from there, it was loaded into an aircraft and taken away, never to be seen again. Upon their return to base, the soldiers were required, uh, made to sign non-disclosure paperwork to stop the word from spreading about the giant. But there was a leak, and one of the soldiers broke his silence because, according to the quote here, he says, people have a right to know what's happening on our planet. Uh, And that is the story of the Giants of Kandahar. That's crazy, dude. From 2002. Especially since we've seen a video on the show before of like a, 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 a djinn? Is that how you say it? A genie, yeah. Yeah, a gin. A from the same area, so... Yeah, and actually, I was going through a lot of stories. This was the most comprehensive story I found of soldiers in the desert encountering a paranormal monster. Mm. But I did, like, on this soldiers Reddit, uh, paranormal Reddit, find a lot of anecdotal stories that didn't go into great detail, but soldiers basically saying, like, I was out in the deserts of Afghanistan and I saw things that were not human. Wow. Like, I was, you know, sleeping um, in my camp on the desert floor and I woke up and this thing was, like, chewing on my foot. You know, things like that. And they don't go into it. They're just like, you know, they say something like that and they're like, I'll never, uh, you know, feel the same about going out into the dark at night and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. But this one actually had some details and was fleshed out. That's wild. So we don't know. We don't know what exactly is out there in the wilderness. Why don't you take over, John? Okay. I got I got a hefty story for you right now. Let me move my mic. Hopefully check. All right. Still works. Um my story. Deep within the dark evil trenches of Long Island, New York. Uh oh. That's where uh, all the best <laughs> professional wrestlers come from. There's a strange abandoned military base named Camp Hero, which has been a conduit for conspiracy theories for years. Some believe the base has uh, hosted covert mind control experiments, time travel, and mass abduction of local children. That's them trying to get in contact with us right now. Um, all these occurrences are collectively known as the Montauk Project. This is where I wish I had the theremin. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Montauk Project is... Uh, by the way, oh, can I cut you off? Yeah, yeah. Isn't this what Stranger Things was inspired by? Yes. This idea of like a military base doing weird interdimensional experiments and a group of kids like getting involved. Yes. Yeah. That I had always heard that uh, just peripherally, but I never really dove into it. So yeah, this shit's weird. What really is the background with the Montauk project? Uh, the Montauk. <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? Mo- Montauk. I mean, if you're from like, Long Island, probably. Like, we're going to talk about it. We're going to have some Montauk. <laughs> uh, 
around 1992, there was a self-published book by Preston B. Nichols okay. called The Montauk Project, yeah. Experiments in Time. And that's kind of where a lot of these stories come from. Um, in his book, he claims that uh, this was, quote, officially decommissioned and abandoned by the U.S. Air Force in 1969. It was subsequently reopened and continued to operate without the sanction of the U.S. government after that. Uh, Meaning it was, um, like, privately funded? I think so, yeah. Some mysterious uh, research group, perhaps, with a wealthy benefactor? So the entire financing uh, for the base is also a mystery. Um, no funding can be traced to the military or the government. Officials of the U.S. government have probed for answers without success. The so, U.S. government can't even get answers. Yeah, so yeah, who, who the fuck knows why this is still open? Um, but here's the weirder shit here. Preston also believes that the base was developed as a culmination of the Philadelphia experiment, uh, where a ship named the USS Eldridge in 1943 seemed to disappear while the Navy was conducting a radar experiment. So I've heard about the Philadelphia experiment. Um, I saw this documentary on it once. And from what I remember, it was a, a battleship, mm. you know, like like you would see at any maritime museum, World War II ship. And it had all these sailors on it, you know, with the white hats and the big bell-bottom pants. And it was stationed on the East Coast. And the sailors report weird occurrences happening, like electrical occurrences, if I remember correctly, some of them said that they found other sailors would like fuse, had like fused with the ship. Whoa. Um, they suspect that they had somehow gone through a wormhole or portal or in some way where the ship was like teleported. Yeah. And some people say it was teleported like down to the southern coast off of uh, the coast of like Florida or Georgia around there. Mm-hmm. But then it returned. It like returned to the original location. And that's when they found these soldiers who were like burned and like fused in with metal and weird yeah. shit like that. It's just like a ghost story. It's an urban legend. So, um, so like what uh, the most information that like is actually like written about uh, by the military was that uh, that ship like blinked off the radar and then came back. And uh, so that's kind of like the basis for a lot of that stuff. Okay. Um, Pre this dude Preston believes that uh, the wormhole it went through was actually in that Montauk base. Like he believes that they uh, were conducting experiments in the future. They opened a wormhole in space time and then accidentally grabbed the ship for a second and, and put it back. So uh, <laughs> if, if you if you so in 1943, a couple of guys from like 1987, 1983, yeah, 1983, <laughs> uh, just blip you into. So maybe they didn't travel to the southern coast. Yeah, they just traveled forward in time and then back in time. Yeah. And then they fused with a ship or something. <laughs> um, but this is all spurned off of the very real occurrence mm. of the ship. It did blip off of radar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And nobody knows why. And so that is kind of where all these stories grew out of. Yeah. Um, this dude also details. I keep calling him this dude. Um, Mr. This Dude. <laughs> uh, Preston Nichols also details experiments that they, uh, this base was also experimenting on latent psychic ability. Uh, for oh, like indigo children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, for instance, there was a chair that used electromagnetism to further psychic powers of, of whoever sat in it. Oh, like 11. Yeah. Indigo children. For people who don't know, there's this theory that human um, mankind, our race, humans, are on the precipice of our next stage of evolution. Yeah. And what is that next stage of evolution? Well, some people think it's uh, the development of psychic ability. And they say that, you know, when a, when a species evolves, it doesn't happen all at once like, boom, you've all got this new uh, ability. You've all evolved. No, it happens slowly, like yeah. a, a pocket of, of um, you know, some over here, some over there. And uh, over time, eventually the whole species will catch up. They'll eventually all develop this new adaptation. Um, but some get it early and some get it later. And the theory is we are in the moment we, where we are starting that evolutionary phase and there are early adapters, we can say, people yeah. who are um, already have this psychic ability that we will someday all have and they are collectively known as the indigo children. Uh, I have a photo of how uh, Preston Nichols uh, uh, described this electrical chair that... Uh, Boost your psychic ability if you want to see that. Hell yeah. This is the first one here. Okay, so um, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling to see where the chair component comes in. I think this is the in. chair. Like, they're laying down. Well, then that's a bed. But, <laughs> okay. Montauk chair diagram. I can clearly see the psychic ability being boosted. Yeah. Um, you know, all the arrows pointing out <laughs> that that's probably like your psychic energy swirling away from you. You got the X coil here. Oh, I've, the X coil, the Y coil, and the Z coil. Yeah, dude, we got all the, <laughs> we got all the coils. I'm gonna go home and build this shit. Uh, I have another photo of it as well. Oh yeah, because clearly the first photo uh, does not explain anything. Um, this is this looks like a guy in a spaceship. Yeah. Who's, he's sitting on a, cl a cloud. Yeah, yeah. What is this? <laughs> this is directly from his book. And what is this little like? This is, like, uh, this is how you build it. Circuit board. Yeah. Uh, flow chart. This is this means nothing to me. <laughs> this guy doesn't even know what a chair is. Well, to Preston, this means the world. He has two photos of a chair, <laughs> yeah. and neither of them have a chair in them. <laughs> this guy overthought the concept yeah. of a chair. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, he's uh, he's clearly. He's clearly evolved, and I have not. Yeah, dude, it's they're I'm doing not psychic enough to understand that shit. They're doing experiments so advanced, we just can't comprehend what they're <laughs> making. Yeah. Um. He also explained an, another experiment called the seeing eye. What's um, that? Which is where a uh, a person in this uh, a volunteer in this experiment would uh you know hold on to a, a person's a, a lock of a person's hair. Okay. And they'd be able to concentrate on that person. And be able to see as if they were looking through that person's eyes. Interesting. Uh, which is uh, commonly known as remote viewing. Remote viewing, yeah. Which uh, I guess the CIA has actually done research on yeah. if, th if that is possible. The men who stare at goats. Yeah. So, side note, the this story, we don't know if it's true because the Montauk project is yeah. privately funded outside of the United States government. But there are projects that have been revealed to the public that were funded by the United States government that yeah. are on the record that we know happened and are true. And the film, The Men Who Stare at Goats, which is a comedy movie, is uh, is a movie about such, uh, one such project. 
that movie, I'm kind of bummed out because they made it into a comedy and they yeah. kind of made it sound like really stupid. Like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, ha ha. Aren't these guys wacky? I think it was based off of a, of a book or something. Well, well it was yeah. based off of a documentary that I saw. Oh, and yeah. The documentary was 100% serious. Yeah. It just explored the actual um, program by the United States government, which was called admittedly something stupid. It was called like Project Jedi <laughs> or something like that. But basically, yeah, what you are saying in the 50s and 60s and 70s, there was um, a revolution of new age and new new age ideas yeah. in American pop culture, uh, ideas about transcendental meditation, transcending the body, psychic ability. All of this stuff became really popular in mainstream culture, and mm. the government wanted to know if this was real. <laughs> hey, people are talking about this. People from all over the world are making these claims. We have the best amount of money and the smartest minds and the most resources in the world. Let's figure this out for real. If this can be used for military purposes, we should know about it. Yeah. And so they did uh, create these programs and they did do these experiments. So, so I feel like that adds some validity to what we're hearing here uh, that happened in the, the, the Montauk uh, 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 camp hero. It does because it's not a uh, stretch to assume that not everything they were doing would be under the sanction of the U S government. Like maybe not everything yeah. should be on record. Maybe they do have a working relationship with a close by research facility that is not under the watchful eye of, um, you know, the public. Yeah. And they could do things there more privately that they don't want to be revealed to, uh, everyone at large, you know? Yeah. F for instance, uh, Nichols claims that these experiments were being done on abducted children, um, some no, no older than four years old, and uh, Nichols refers to them as the Montauk Boys. That's exactly the kind of stuff you would do at a secret base. Yeah. You're not going to take four-year-old American kids to fucking Camp Pendleton, San Diego. No. <laughs> you know, and start injecting them full of neon liquid and putting them in Hell this... Yeah weird ass psychic chair that's actually a spaceship where you sit on a cloud you can't just do that on taxpayers dollars yeah you gotta do it in secret you got you have to do that in secret you have to that's like base that's 101 exactly so uh <laughs> I, I believe it it could have happened these children were so psychologically broken down by the montauk project that uh most people would forget all about their time at camp hero uh for the rest of their lives um, if, uh, if, like I said, like you said before, if this is all sounding familiar, this is like one for one, uh, you know, stuff from stranger things. I think 11 goes through, uh, similar things. Let me pause real quick. Um, we'll do, we'll probably have to do a follow up episode mm -hmm. to this episode because okay. we're covering so many, uh, different things. Yeah. Like yeah. The men who stare at goats. We could go into that experiment. Yeah. Remote viewing and <laughs> remote viewing. There's another famous program that was uh, launched by the United States government. It's called MK Ultra. Yeah. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, I, I bring it up in here as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't say too much no, because no, no. you're getting to it, but I, uh, I don't get too much into it. Essentially, in the same vein as um, the projects we just described, wanting to know if these things are real, the United States government wanted to know what were the extents of mind control. Is mind control real? And if it is real, 
Can we use it as a weapon? Can we use it? How powerful is it? And so they had this project, this program called MK Ultra, yeah, where they did do mind control experiments on unsuspecting United States citizens. Now, I need to do my research. I don't know if these people were abducted or tricked or if they did volunteer, but they didn't know what was happening to them. And some of them were like drugged with LSD. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure the results of MK Ultra found that mind control is possible and it is most possible when the victim is under the influence Shit. of mind altering drugs. But then they kind of found like the military purposes diminish when you have to get the guy, your, loaded. A- your agent loaded. Yeah, yeah. Right. If we want to control the mind of somebody in a foreign dictatorship and have them kill that dictator. But we have to fucking dose them with LSD to do it. Like maybe this isn't the best. This uh, is a great movie. Concept. Maybe this isn't, isn't the best military strategy yeah. for our goals. So they researched it and they found that it didn't really serve their purposes. Yeah. But the experiments were conducted regardless of what they found. They did these experiments. So yeah, I that's think, also on the books as well. I think they also use like LSD as like a torture, uh, you know, serum for a little bit as We're well. We're going to have to do a whole yeah. episode about the government getting people <laughs> hopped up on LSD. Um, okay. Well, uh, lost my place. Here. I know I took over. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're good. Whatever, whatever you want to talk about. Um, so a lot of the stuff was, uh, that I'm, I'm kind of bringing up here was hearsay and conspiracy theories, uh, until about 2017. Oh, when a 57 year old man from Michigan told the son that he was one of the Montauk boys. Dang shit. Uh, Did he have details? Yeah, this is a quote from him. When the experiment started, they targeted uh, expendable boys like orphans, runaways or uh, children of drug addicts. Um, Hmm. And then he said the aim was to fracture your mind so they could uh, program you. They would change the temperature from very hot to very cold uh they'd starve you um then feed you uh i remember being beaten with a wooden pole uh he also says and they loved to hold your head underwater until you were nearly drowned they loved it that was effective <laughs> they loved it they they do they fucking love they're it. like yo let's do the head water chick uh he he also claimed that was effective he said holding the water <laughs> Uh, yeah. so the goal was to program you to be like a psychic warrior yeah. and holding your head. That was effective. Like mm, pull them out of the water. Like I will do yeah, whatever you tell me. They're trying to waterboard them into psychic ability. Yeah. Uh, but that's not even the weirdest shit he claimed. This is the weirdest Holy shit he claimed. Shit. He said, uh, he alleged that him and the other Montauk boys were sent to Mars and back to biblical times via the project's portals. Well, that does sound incredible, um, except when you consider what happened in the Philadelphia Project. Yeah. Supposedly, that ship was sent into the future, so why couldn't this kid be sent into the past? That's what I'm saying. He, he, was, hanging out, he was hanging out with Jesus. He was like, yo, it sounds, Jesus, these guys It are- sounds wild, but it's consistent within its own yeah. universe. Exactly. Worm- wormholes, experiments. This guy is just... His claims sound unfathomable except that he is just repeating all of the claims exactly. that were already yeah, coming yeah. out about the Montauk project. Yeah, Montauk. I love I love the way you say it. Makes me laugh. Oh, I, I say Montauk, but it's actually a UK, not UK. Yeah. So Montauk. Pe- Montauk. That's probably how you actually say it. People on Long Island, I think they just say Montauk. 
Montauk. Montauk. Montauk. They say it bad. Montauk. I'm, I'm helping everybody at home. Montauk. Learn how to pronounce. I'm failing so that you can succeed. <laughs> you can thank me later. By the way, if yes. you're enjoying this episode, be sure to uh, like and subscribe to the Mega Strange yes. YouTube. Also follow us on Instagram, Mega Strange Podcast, and our Twitter, Mega Strange six six six. Do it up. Uh, do it up. Do dap it up. We there yet? Um. So, in closing, currently the base still stands. Uh, Nichols claims everything was destroyed, and the basement rooms where all the experiments were uh being held were filled in with concrete. And here you go. Anyone involved in the project had their memory suppressed using MK Ultra techniques. So they busted out the LSD. Uh, they they uh destroyed everyone's brains. Uh, made sure that they can't uh, speak any word of what was seen down there. I have heard that um, I think um, there was like this serial killer who would torture people, but sometimes he would let them go. He wouldn't kill them. Uh He would like capture them and keep them captive for like weeks at a time. But if he didn't kill them, he'd let them go. uh, But the people would not report him because he kept them um, dosed up on a ton of drugs and he would have these headphones that would like basically play um, this repeating message that it basically told them like this is all a nightmare. No. This is all a dream. Ugh. And he did brainwash them to when they were released they like could not clearly recall the events or what exactly had happened and they couldn't report uh, the crimes because they had been brainwashed and this was just a guy like yeah. in the midwest he wasn't even like the government he was just a dude yeah that stuff always freaks me out with serial killers like uh you know the golden gate killer he would like shine a flashlight in your in your eyes when he was doing shit because like it just you know it just like you can't concentrate at all when they're just being like annihilated sensory overload sensory overload yeah um anyway here i have a photo of uh this building so this is Camp Hero, the, the part of it that still stands to this day. Okay. And, and you like if you saw that, you'd be like, what the fuck are they doing in there? Why do they need a giant satellite dish? The 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 building looks very like brutalist that, that, architecture. That's where they did the radar experiments. Right? Yeah. Okay. And uh I think they actually use this building in Stranger Things, if I recall correctly. Or something that looked very similar. Um, and then I have there's a uh opening to the base that is blocked off now. Um Wow. So you can't even get in there. Uh, it's cool. Like I think it's cool looking. This does look spooky. This yeah, does right. Look suspicious. That's why I think all this really spawned from this building looking very creepy. <laughs> um, this is the type of building that would inspire rumors. Exactly. Definitely. And I want to end this. Oh, what I'm uh, my story on a quote here from Paul Mont, who was the president of uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Montauk, and he said, "Quote: No doubt stories have been embellished." But I don't doubt that things went on in there in the Cold War years. Even today, the base is per, uh, patrolled and watched. They, obvi- they obviously don't want people in there even now. And that is the model. So the project. story continues. There are still people in there to this day. And we don't know. Even though it's sealed up, even though it claims to be closed, there's still guards posted there. There's probably people still running experiments in there right now. I did see a video of a, you know, 
this guy on Discovery where he, he went there and they're like, we're going to get an interview with one of the guards there. He says he's going to tell us everything. And they pull up and the, <laughs> their producer uh, uh, comes to his car and he's like, yeah, he says he's not allowed to talk to us. Uh, his bosses uh, stopped him from talking to us. So we have to leave right now. So <laughs> Or we will be killed. What's up with that? Anyway. Nice. Well, hey, thank you for sharing that story with us. The Montauk. No Project Montauk Project. I want to change gears now. Speaking of time traveling, I want to go back in time. I want to Whoa. go back to the Texas Revolution. Okay, Johnny, pop quiz, and you're gonna fail it, but don't feel bad because I'm setting you up. Uh, what is the most famous battle of the Texas Revolution? The Alamo. Yes, you remembered. Remember the Alamo. That's what they say. What do you remember about the Alamo? Oh, okay, by the way. I don't, I don't, they don't teach me shit about the Alamo. I, I Growing don't know up shit here about in the Alamo. I yeah. grew up in California. You grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. We don't learn about the Texas Revolution. So I probably know the same thing you know. Do you remember anything about the Alamo? Bro, all I know about the Alamo is that I think Ozzy Osbourne pissed on it or something and got nice. arrested. Yes. And yeah. Pee Wee Herman went there. Yeah. And they did like the weird clapping thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I remember the Alamo. Yeah, I remember that. And I think, uh, Davy Crockett got killed there. Oh. You ever heard that story? No. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Davy Crockett is uh, was a real American. Uh-huh. You know, the the raccoon skin hat and yeah. the, the buckskin suit and all that. And he went to the Alamo to fight um, with the Texans in the Texas Revolution, and he died there. I'm not going to give everybody a history lesson on the Alamo and the Texas Revolution, um, but I think it was a war for independence. Texas was a part of Mexico, and they wanted to be independent of Mexico. They had close relations with the United States, but Texas was its own country. Okay, I didn't know that. That's why they're the Lone Star State. Okay. Um, so they like broke off from Mexico, and America did not want to get involved because America had close relations with Mexico. So Texas was pretty much left by itself to fight for its own independence against Mexico. And the Mexican general, Santa Ana, um, took like 1,500 soldiers or something into San Antonio Mm. where the Alamo was. The Alamo was a mission. Originally, it was a church, but it had been turned into a fortress. And there were like maybe 200 or 300 Texans in the Alamo. 1,500 Mexicans. 300 Texans. It was a bloodbath. Jesus Christ. It was a bloodbath. Yeah. The Texans were killed. Their bodies were dismembered and thrown into the river, uh, or and their corpses were burned. Like they weren't buried. They weren't. Give, they were hacked up. They were turned into mincemeat. They made hot dogs out of these guys. And the uh, phrase "Remember the Alamo" became so popular because Texans were so outraged, and uh, other Americans too were outraged. People flocked to Texas, and basically within a month. After that battle, uh, if my history serves me correctly, the war had been won in the favor of Texas. So they it actually inspired so many people. They were so angry about what happened at the Alamo that they fought harder and they were able to win the war for independence. Hell yeah. But the Alamo was a bloodbath. And following that battle, it became one of the most haunted uh, places in America. And the story I want to share with you now gave me chills because 
They say that the hauntings started within days of the battle. Within days. It makes sense. Like a lot of, you know, maybe those uh, people had felt like they had unfinished business because they lost uh, the battle. Well, listen to this story. So the, the battle has been won. The Alamo has been won. And General Santa Ana is celebrating his victory. But... Yeah, it was such a brutal fight. He's worried that basically exactly what happens in history, what does go on to happen, he's worried that's going to happen. He's worried that the Alamo is going to be turned into this memorial, this rallying cry that is going to inspire the Texans to fight harder. And he doesn't want that to happen. And so he orders one of his generals, a general named um, Juan Jose Andrade okay. to go and destroy the Alamo. This actually happened. This is well-documented. General Andrade ended up not destroying the Alamo. He turned away. There are conflicting stories as to why General Andrade turned away. But my favorite story is the one I'm going to share with you now, which says that Andrade... Once he received his order, he dispatched a group of men, basically um, a troop to go fulfill this order. He wasn't going to go personally destroy it. He just sent some guys to do it. Um, but when the men arrived at the Alamo, they quickly abandoned their mission and turned around and came back to General Andrade. And he demanded to know why. They had abandoned their mission to destroy the Alamo. And the men supposedly were shaking and were white-faced like they had just seen a ghost. And one of the men told him that when they arrived at night at the Alamo, this was three days following the massacre where the bodies had been dismembered, burned, and thrown into the rivers. The Alamo was being guarded by... Quote, six Diablos. Oh, six? Six. That's a lot of Diablos. Six Diablos. Shit. Spanish for devils. Yeah, yeah. The men said there were six devils guarding the Alamo. Other witnesses claim to see these devils, these Diablos. Some people say, now this is weird, that they were Franciscan monks holding flaming swords. Because remember, the Alamo was originally a mission. Yeah. And they say that it was the spirits of the monks that had founded the mission had come to defend it from being burned down by this invading army. Six monks holding flaming swords. What, what kind of monks were they again? Franciscan. Like Friar Tuck. Like with the yeah. shaved, like bald head and the ring of hair and the brown robe with the <laughs> rope tied around your waist. Like Little John and Friar Tuck yeah, from Robin yeah. Hood. Yeah, yeah. Well, Little John was the big guy, but Friar Tuck, you know? Except Friar Tuck with a flaming sword is six of them. <laughs> and they're Diablos too, so maybe their eyes are jet black and they've got little horns and like little teeth, but I don't know. They're Franciscan monks, so maybe it's, they don't look like devils. It sounds like a like a Magic the Gathering card. Like six friends. What is it again? Six what? Six Diablos. Oh, no, no. Uh, the Franciscan monks. Franciscan monks. That sounds like a Magic card. Well, um, Andrade thought it was bullshit. Okay. And so it says that he gathered his men and personally went down to the Alamo 
to destroy it himself. But when he arrived at the house barracks, there were there were not six Diablos. Instead, seven. instead, there was a tall male spirit that rose up on the roofs of the barrack and uh, clasped in each hand was balls consumed in fire, which we might call ball lightning. We've talked about ball okay. lightning, but, but basically it's like Raiden. Yeah, on yeah. top of the on top of the element, just one tall dude holding balls of flaming lightning in his hands. <laughs> Instead of the six Diablos, you got this fucking Mortal Kombat character. Yeah, dude. Why did it, dude? I don't know why they didn't te- teach this to us in history class. This yeah. is like straight up Final Fantasy battle. I'm down with it. It says that Andrade, uh, upon witnessing this specter, turned and fled the city. <laughs> And he, now we don't, like, he left the city and he did not destroy the Alamo. That's the story. The truth that we know is that Andrade did receive the order to destroy the Alamo and he did not fulfill it. And all we have is this story of the Diablos and the Flaming Swords and Raiden on top of the Alamo. (laughs) That's the the story we have to explain why he didn't destroy it. That's awesome. I I I I believe that wholeheartedly. But uh, it would be really funny if if it was just like a bunch of guys who like really didn't want to do it, and they're like, "Yo, I got I got a fucking story for you." Yeah. Okay. I have one more thing to share sure. for today's episode, yes. and this one, this one is this no rumors, no rumors, no hearsay. Everything I'm about to tell you, 100% confirmed. Cold hard facts. Cold hard facts. Uh, I want to talk about the Vietnam War. And I want to play something for you now, an artifact. Okay. This is something, this is a military tape. This is a recording. Uh, If you were in the jungles of Vietnam in 1969, you may have heard this recording. This is something called Ghost Tape Number 10. This is ghost. Holy fuck, dude. This is ghost tape number 10. This is the first thing on the show that genuinely terrified me. Dude, I bet the Viet Cong were just like messing with them and like. Dude, that's scary. Let's skip ahead here. Daddy, daddy, come home with me. Come home. Daddy, daddy. That's uh, Vietnamese. It's translated here. You look like you have a tear in your eye. Dude, I'm crying. Who is that? Who is calling me? My daughter? My wife? Okay. I'll pause this here. This is a recording. Uh, you, You may have heard this if you were in the jungles of Vietnam in 1969. Um, let me talk about... Yeah. I, I need to know more about this. I'm going to tell you all about ghost tape number 10 here. Okay, so in the traditional Vietnamese understanding of death, ghosts play an important role um, that's tied with these concepts of good deaths and bad deaths. 
um, many of the soldiers in the Vietnam War, on the Vietnam side, uh, they knew, they had this understanding that going to war would result in a bad death. Okay. Something, uh, meaning that they had died violently away from their family homes and that they would be unable to transition properly from the living world into the spirit world. Um, in Vietnamese tradition, it is believed that if you die one of these bad deaths in a, in, on a battlefield, your spirit would be unable to leave the battlefield and you would be forced to wander the battlefield suspended between this life and the next life. Um, these uh, are known as, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, the Vietnamese word. It translates basically to wandering souls. Okay. what they're called when this happens to you. So the U.S. military uh, put out a fact sheet about the uh, beliefs, the paranormal beliefs of the Vietnamese in 1969, something called the U.S. Military Assistance Command Vietnam Fact Sheet. And the document describes things such as pig ghosts, dog ghosts, cat ghosts that are all very popular in Vietnamese folklore. Mm. Uh, there's also other malevolent spirits um, from Vietnamese folklore, such as the tightening knot ghost, which is a spirit that will goad people into committing suicide by whispering the words neck, neck into their ear. Um, and there's also something known as the opium ghost, which will entice yeah. people to um, purposely overdose to die. Never a, mind. Uh, a death of the pleasures is what it's known as. So, basically, the United States government used this information to launch a psychological warfare campaign against the Vietnamese army. And this information didn't come out until the uh, 20 teens. So just a few years ago, we found out about this. Ghost tape number 10 uh -huh. was employed by the United States military and was broadcast from, logging. from loudspeakers on helicopters, patrol crafts, swift boats, and they would even send special infantry soldiers to infiltrate enemy lines, normally at night, to set up speakers to broadcast tapes such as Ghost Tape Number 10. I'm so brainwashed. When you played that for me, I was like, damn, these Viet Cong are, are crafty. But it was us. <laughs> we're the fucking dicks. We're like, yo, we're going to fuck we're with the these crafty dudes. Ones. Well, it was in Vietnamese. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, ghost tape number 10 is basically a bunch of like Halloween soundtracks, <laughs> spooky ghosts. You can hear people screaming. And there is this um, narrative uh, in Vietnamese that basically it, it portrays this story of wandering souls. Oh, all of this was called Operation Wandering Souls. Okay. By the way, this is all known as Operation Wandering Souls, where they would go and play these tapes. And it was Vietnamese ghosts who were basically lamenting over the fact that they had died in battle and they were crying out for their family. They were crying out for their children and they were 
missing their friends. They talked about how they were cold. They talked about how they were hungry. They talked about how they were in pain. They were basically like warning the Vietnamese soldiers, telling them like, friends, you don't need to die senselessly. Like, get out of here. Go home. We don't have any reports on how effective this was. We don't know. But we can, I can only assume from just human nature that this had to have worked on some people. Yeah. Until they learned what it was, I think it probably worked a little bit. Who knows if they ever found out yeah. what it was. Uh, so that is the story of Operation Wandering Soul and Ghost Tape Number 10. And I wanted to end with that story because it, to me, exemplifies the fact that sometimes these stories are true. Yeah. If you're a Vietnamese soldier and you were and you fought in Vietnam, you could have heard this tape and never known that it was a piece of American propaganda. And your whole life, you have this experience. You're out in the jungles fighting a war and you started hearing the voices of ghosts talking to you, telling you to go home, crying, and the real ghosts. And it would be in places where it would make no sense. Like yeah. you're, you're out on a, on a riverbed. You're like four days in and you start hearing these, these voices at night. You know, the giant of Kandahar, even the, the Diablos of the Alamo. Mm. What if the Diablos of the Alamo, what if that was a ruse against the Mexican army? What if it was just the survivors of the Texas Alamo? They're like, we don't, they're pulling some Scooby-Doo shit. Yeah. They're doing psychological warfare to scare the uh, soldiers. They learned uh, the Pepper's ghost effect and they, they fuck with them. I heard this story of Napoleon once, real story. He marched into a town um, and he was outgunned and outnumbered. But what he did is he left his army um, back and he went in with just a few of his lieutenants and he called a meeting with the leaders of the town and basically bullshitted them and told them like, I, I, I am, I actually outgun you yeah. and I have come to make peace to spare your life because I don't want to have a bloodbath on <laughs> our hands. And the town laid down their arms and Napoleon conquered the town, even though he had less men and less weapons, he tricked them into surrendering. He was, he was Psychological smart. warfare is a real thing. On the battlefield. Yeah, I mean... And it actually wins battles sometimes. You brought it up on the show uh, prior, but that that uh, one guy who just ki like lined up his soldiers and started beheading them uh, on the battlefield, I think about that a lot, like how that must have uh, really fucked the brains of their opponents. They're like, oh shit, he's just killing his... Yeah, in ancient times. Um, I would 100% buy uh, Ghost Tape number 10 on vinyl. Uh, so if anyone out there... Wants to, <laughs> for Halloween. Wants to put that on vinyl. Well, we thank you for watching our episode today. That's our thank episode you. of Mega Strange, everybody. As we already mentioned, if you like this episode, be sure to like and subscribe and spread the word of Mega Strange. Share it on social media and make sure that everybody out there who wants to know these stories can find these stories. You are our correspondents out there. We need your help. We've previously mentioned that we are winding down this era of Mega Strange, and we will be returning soon with the new edition of Mega Strange. We're calling it Season 4. Ooh. So stay tuned. You're going to see some uh, new updates on the Mega Strange YouTube channel, and we are excited to bring these new episodes to you. They're going to have higher production value, and they're going to be really entertaining. We'll be back next week with another full-length episode of Mega Strange. So until then, stay strange, everybody. Good Bye. night. Oh. Good night. Bye. Whichever one you want. Hell yeah. They both work. Thank you.